So, um, as I said, this is our last meeting for this year. The church will be closed at both next week in the evening um, and then the following week because of Christmas and New Year's. So, uh, I was reflecting on talking tonight and thinking about giving an end of the year talk and I was thinking about both the holidays or the holy days that we're in the midst of right now, at least in certain cultures, and also it's the end of the year, the, the end of the year in certain cultures, because um, I was looking at the year, when, when is the new year? And uh, the Western New Year happens on January 1st, right? That's a, you know, a certain kind of Western, a certain new year. And then there's the Chinese New Year, which falls between um, the 21st of January and the 21st of, of February. So they have a little looser um, New Year, probably a lunar New Year, I believe. And then the Jewish New Year happens on September 20th. And the Islamic uh, New Year happens on um, September 22nd, close, but not the same. And then the Thai New Year is April 13th, which is a little different than either of those, right? And then the New Year in um, Vietnam is on the 28th of January, uh, but the New Year in Mongolia is on the 26th of February. So, and then the Iranian New Year is either the 20th or 21st of March. So if you want to celebrate the New Year, you can really do it often, <laughs> and which is really not a bad thing to do because at least, and this is in my view, the whole idea of New Year is being made up, right? We make up the idea of a New Year. Right? Who, who, who start? Wh where does the count start? Right? Because there's different, you know, like the Western New Year is um, 20, it'll be 2017, in case you didn't know, it, soon. But that's not like the Jewish New Year is, I don't know the number, but it's 5,000 something. Right? So, so it's all being made up, and it's fine to make it up because what's being re reflected is something about the cycles of nature that happen, right? There's spring and then there's summer and then there's fall and then there's winter and then there's spring. And those cycles are being, are, are, have had a big impact on human beings from the beginning of our time as animals and still have a big impact on, on people and animals. We all have, they impact us, the different um, atmosphere of each season. <clears throat> and of course, it, it's interesting in, in this season also, um, well, I'll say a little bit more about the new year. I like new year because it points to endings and beginnings. Endings, right, a year ends and then a year begins. And that's totally, you know, uh, normal if you've grown up in any of these cultures 
that celebrate a new year whenever they happen to celebrate it. And what's, what I like about that is it points to something about the endings and the beginnings that happen, the endings and the beginnings. And Buddhism is very respectful of the moment of arising and passing, and arising and passing, because that makes up the reality of our life and of our consciousness. There's a moment that happens right now, and then that moment ends. And then there's a new moment that arises, and that moment ends, and there's a new moment. And that arising and passing can be a very important part of Dharma practice, especially if you do a long retreat, those moments can be very vivid. You can actually see a moment arise and sustain for a moment or a while and then pass. And all of reality is like that, right? If you've noticed. And even we are like that, meaning we are arising and passing, right? We, we're here for a while and then we pass because that's just, that's the way reality is. And so part of Dharma practice, Dharma meaning the truth, right? That's a really good translation of Dharma is truth. Dharma, um, Dharma practice means coming into harmony with the truth of the way things are, of this human reality, of this aliveness, of this change of arising and passing reality, of ending and beginning, and of the potential for every moment to be new. Or really we could, if we want to, you know, we could do a little SFI New Year on December 18th. Like we declare this is the new year. This is the end of the old year today and then tomorrow will be the new year. Are you, you ready for that? We'll, and soon we'll have a big following of people who will be partying with us every December 18th because we're celebrating the end of the year and the, because where, where is the year, right? We're, we're just making it up a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an important part of being a human being is that we, um, we acknowledge reality in different ways and, new, and creating a new year, which every culture does, right, um, is one of the ways of getting into alignment with the way things are. But really, every day is a new year. Really, this could be the last year of your life starting now. Or this could be, you know, you'll have 20 more starting now, or 40 more, or 60 more. You know, if you really want to suffer, you could have 100 more, you know. So there's the new year is happening, or the end of the old year and the new year is about to happen. Uh, did you hear what just ended? So nice. <laughs> Really, it's some, some things ending make me so happy. It's just like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Did you find him? 
No, oh, maybe Patrick did, he's coming back. We were trying to find Robert the Sexton to turn off the heat for a while. Um, so, and then the other thing I thought I would just mention, because we're in this phase of our uh, year, which is the Holy day, Days year, and right, there's Holy Days are happening, and they're part of the reflection of dying and rebirth, dying and rebirth, and you know, maybe the most holy day we celebrate in the United States is Christmas, right? And it's about Jesus, right? And his death and rebirth, right? He, he died and was reborn. I mean, I don't think you say that exactly that way in Christianity, but that's kind of a Buddhist way to say it. Um, and, and there are other uh, holidays that human beings have in every different culture, right? Holy days is a better way to say it. Um, and, and because human beings recognize the divine or the numinous or the magical or the mysterious that is everywhere woven into reality. And so um, <clears throat> part of the Part of our past as human beings was that the forces of nature were very powerful. Like now we, human beings, in their slightly narcissistic um, response, think they've conquered nature, right? Which, good luck, right? Meaning we, we may all end up dead because we've tried to conquer <laughs> nature. <laughs> That's good. That was a good laugh, Lloyd. <laughs> Meaning, <laughs> oh, I wasn't thinking that, but I was th just thinking in terms of, you know, what's going to happen to the world and our environment if we can't deal with the ways we're polluting nature or um, undercutting nature. But in the old days, nature was so powerful for us as human beings, for us as animals, right, that we related very strongly to the changing forces and the power of the natural world. And the mystery of the natural world and the numinousness of our living world Right? We didn't think we could conquer everything or be in control would be, I think, a better way to say it, of everything. We learned how to find our harmony with things so that we could survive as well as possible. But we also had a great respect for our lack of control, for the numinous or the divine or the magical or the mysterious that is part of our world even as we sit here, that we often forget about or don't see or don't recognize uh, given our, uh, our world and how, you know, how amazing it is what human beings do do, everything that they make and create and discover and, I mean, all the great, I mean, you know, people made this building, right? I mean, and I know we take it all for granted, but, you know, in the old days, there weren't buildings. When I mean old, I mean thousands of years ago. I don't mean like 20 years ago. Um, 
you know, there, there weren't buildings. Buildings were something that came later for human beings. So the word holy, holy, means from English, holy, H-O-L-I, or hale, H-A-L-I, meaning well or whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole, complete. Holy meaning complete. And um, the word originally, the word was dedicated to God or to religious purpose, to that which was hallowed, H-A-L-L-O-W-E, or sacred. And had to do with being spiritually whole, complete, or sound, meaning pure in heart, or divine, or devout, or transcendent. And every religion on the earth is pointing at the holy, is pointing at the numinous or the divine or the miraculousness of reality and what's possible for us as human beings. <clears throat> and I, I like that the word whole, W-H-O-L-E, is here because I think it's something that Buddhism is pointing us at is our wholeness or our completeness or the fullness of who and what we are and discovering what that is, discovering what's sitting right here to the depth of what we are, to the fullness or wholeness of what we are. And of course, one of my favorite Buddhist poems from Izumi, Izumi Shikibu, a Japanese woman, probably from 1750s, 1800s, something like that, Izumi Shikibu. She wrote, watching the moon, watching the moon at dawn, watching the moon at dawn, solitary, mid-sky, I knew myself completely, no part left out. Watching the moon, and, and in Japanese, uh, culture, religion, the moon, the full moon especially, symbolizes enlightenment. Watching the moon at dawn, solitary, mid-sky, I know myself completely, no part left out. Beautiful understanding of the Dharma in a practice <coughs> that she expresses. <clears throat> The word whole also has means to be sacred or set apart uh, by um, religious ceremony, holy. Uh, to be made holy, to be set apart um, for religious use and um, different ways that's understood is we have holidays or holy days like Christmas or Hanukkah or other kinds of holy days, people worship the uh, solstice is a holy day in some, in some cultures. <coughs> so there was um, um, uh, Kwanzaa is celebrated, uh, different ways that we highlight the holiness of reality by creating holy days 
or whole days that are devoted to the numinous or the sacred or the divine or the magicalness of reality. Um, and here I'm, I'm just weaving together a little from some different religions. This is from Judaism, from uh, I think his name was Abraham Heschel. He said, the splendor of the day, of the of a holy day, and, and in Judaism, the, the, um, uh, um, the Sabbath is considered a holy day. And so he's saying, indeed, the splendor of the day is expressed in terms of abstentations, just as the mystery of God is more adequately conveyed via negativa. Ne negativa in the categories of negative theology, which claims that we can never say what God is, we can only say what God is not, All right? So this is in one tradition, seeing that God, there's something more than what we know. There's always more to discover about what God is or what the holy is. And in Buddhism, the early teachings always point to freedom through the negative, same principle, right? It's called the unconditioned, right? The absence of greed, hatred, and delusion, right? That's nirvana, nirvana is pointed at as the absence of something. They don't say exactly what it is, they say what it isn't. And also in terms of the, the Sabbath, the meaning of Sabbath is to celebrate time rather than space. On the Sabbath, we try to become attuned to holiness in time. Holiness in time. We are called upon to share in what is eternal in time. So it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, paradox, which I very much appreciate about spiritual life is seeing the paradox of reality that sits right here. So we're called upon to share in what is eternal in time, not outside of time, not beyond time, but right through the middle of each moment. And he goes on to say again, this is Abraham Heschel, to turn from the results of creation to the mystery of creation, from the world of creation to the creation of the world, all right? So he's pointing at the mysterious in the paradoxical way that he's talking about reality. <clears throat> and in Buddhism, the divine is found here in time in this human experience, in this moment, is where we can discover reality. This is where we can discover the magic and the mystery and the wonder of reality is sitting right here. And even you can just look for yourself because it's not sitting here, it's sitting right there. Where you, what's understanding what I'm saying is where the mystery is. Because look and tell me what is understanding what I'm saying? What is, what is consciousness? 
Can you stop it? Are you in control of it? Can you fix it? Can you start it? What, what happens when you turn your attention to what's attentive? Or turn your awareness to what's aware? And it's paradoxical because it's all so simple and that's the hardest thing for us as human beings, I believe. This is not, I'm not quoting the Buddha now. This is Eugene's opinion. But it's so simple, it's all, it's all just right here. Whatever the Buddha was talking about, whatever he was pointing at, he said, stop and look at what's here. Be aware, pay attention, and, and get closer to it. Get more intimate with it. Don't get far away, get closer. And of course, what is pointed at is that what's sitting here is, is also sitting in each seat, but it's not even though it's the same, it's also different, part of the paradox, right? It's consciousness sitting here. And, or it's beyond consciousness, I mean, if we really want to keep going, but maybe we shouldn't go too far tonight because we've got to survive the next year, of course. We might just disappear. But one of the things I really would like to say is something quoting from Suzuki Roshi, because he kept pointing at it. Suzuki Roshi was one of the great Buddhist teachers alive during my time and many people's time. He, and he started Zen Center in San Francisco and, and it all just keeps going on, partly because of him. And he said, he had a beautiful line, he said, just to be alive, just to be alive, is enough. Just to be alive is enough. And it points to the simplicity. I mean, right? It's not, it doesn't sound like much, right? Just to be alive is enough. But he's pointing at all of reality is in that aliveness. All of that, all of what's this, that all of what the Buddha discovered was, is in that aliveness. Just to be alive is enough. That's all we need, is just to be alive. And so we start to realize who and what we are, not by making things holy or making some things holy and th some things unholy, profane, Right? But just to start to recognize the, the divine or the numinous right where we are, right in our iPhone. <laughs> right in our email. And I mean that sincerely. Isn't it amazing we get emails? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people take it for granted now, but I am old enough to remember before there were emails, right? which maybe a few of you do. You know, I mean, and then it's just, amazing that like 
and I do a lot of emailing, which I don't even like, but, but it's part of my job, you know, for being in organizations and being part of all kinds of committees and things like that. And, you know, and, and this stuff just goes out. Where the hell does it go? <laughs> Except on somebody's iPhone or somebody's computer. And then somebody's mind. And then somebody, sometimes people love what I say on email. And sometimes they don't like what I say on email. And so, so there's the experience and the reaction to the experience. Just like when we sit here, it's the same thing. Only it's a little bigger now because it goes all over the whole world, the whole human world, and who knows where else it goes. You know, sometimes human beings think, oh, there might be life on other planets, right? Which I'm sure there is, somewhere. But what if, they're, what if they have iPhones also, and they're getting our emails, and they're, they're reading us that way, they're, they're interpreting us, right? Could, could be happening. But really what I'm trying to point at is the new, the eternal in, the, in each moment, the numinous in this moment. And it doesn't matter whether we're on the iPhone or on our cell phone or, or on a, a, you know, what, wherever we are. I mean, it can be great in nature, right? It's like so obvious, more obvious often in nature. But it's also true anywhere we are that the magical, the mysterious, the divine is right here. It's not somewhere else. And I have a poem from Ryokan, my beloved teacher. He said, the bamboo grove in front of my hut, the bamboo grove in front of my hut, every day I see it a thousand times. The bamboo grove in front of my hut, every day I see it a thousand times, yet I never tire of it. Right? He sees the living reality that's right there every day, doesn't matter a thousand times, because every day, every, mo every time, it's a new year. It's right now. And so it's magical every time for Ryokan. And of course, this is described in Western poetry and philosophy and religion. This is from William Blake, one of the great Western mystics of all time, William Blake, he said, to see the world in a grain of sand, to see the world in a grain of sand and heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand and eternity in an hour. To see the world in a grain of sand and a heaven in a wild flower to hold infinity in the palm of your hand and etern eternity in an hour. Right, just a beautiful poem about reality, about us, about what's sitting here, about what's possible for us when we see the, the new year that's happening right now, the new life that's here, the new moment.
Suzuki Rush, he said it slightly different. He said, the world is its own magic. The world is its own magic. <clears throat> and of course, he's a Zen teacher, Suzuki Roshi, and in Zen it said, life is a mystery to be lived. Life is a mystery to be lived, not a problem to be solved. So, So I have a couple of thoughts I want to leave you with, and then let's talk a little about the, the holy days and the new year. Um, <clears throat> but one of the practices that you might experiment with for the next few weeks is to reflect for yourself what, what happened this last year for you. What, what was your last year like? You know, what was 2016 like? Excuse me. What was it like from this perspective? What did you do that you're happy about? Like, what happened for you that you're satisfied with or happy about? Or that, and it doesn't have to be a big thing. Just, just notice whatever little thing, whatever you did, maybe with one person, or one part of your life, or one, one job you did, or one person you helped, or something you did that you're happy about, that you're happy that that happened. And I don't mean you have to be ecstatically happy or, you know, uh, but just because often when we reflect, we reflect about what was wrong. And what I'm encouraging is reflecting about, oh, what went well? or what was right for you. And then also to reflect about what's your intention for the new year, because intention is a really important part of practice in Buddhism that we've talked about here. And, um, Intention uh, has to do with um, uh, the fluidity of life because your intention immediately changes reality, meaning it starts to seed, like dropping a seed into the earth, it starts to seed something that's possible if you make an intention and even and it can be a very simple intention a very small intention you know uh, i intend to eat well today right just today or i intend to exercise a little today or i intend to help my neighbor who's having a hard time today or i intend or i intend to you know uh, change the whole political system this year in America, right? That might be a bigger intention you might have. Uh, or you might find a little intention. I intend to respond to the politics in a way that's skillful this year and help 
in whatever way I can. Partly I'm saying this because I talked to my daughter this today and, uh, and uh, I sent her at the end of the conversation, I said, oh, here's what I'm talking about tonight. You know, what, sh what should I talk about on my Dharma talk? And she was, she's not happy about the election. She's been very upset, it's been very hard for her. And she was like, oh yeah, talk about how you deal with this country going backwards. You know, that's what I should talk about in the Dharma talk tonight. And, you know, I don't have enough time for that talk, um, exactly. And, but, but it was interesting to hear her um, say that, you know, about, and she said one thing that did catch my attention really more. She said, oh yeah, why don't you talk to them about what post-truth is, right? Which is such an interesting concept given that dharma means truth, and now we have post-truth reality, supposedly, as part of our reality. And, um, and that, that's something people may, you may struggle with, because people are, are, um, are reporting news that is post-truth news, right? Meaning it's not actually accurate, it's how they're making it up. And of course, that's how news is always happening. It's always being made up. But now people are not making it up trying to be as accurate as possible. They're trying to do it in the way that it fits what they want, which is a different way of making up anything, meaning it's a more uh, greedy way to make up news. Anyhow, I'm totally getting off topic now because my daughter. But I can blame her because she's coming to visit tomorrow. So I'll give her some. I'll, I'll be very nice to her, actually. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to stop there for now. Any thoughts about holiness, holy days, New Year's? the end of the year, the beginning of the year, the fact that every moment is a new beginning. happy with any agreements or disagreements with the talk. Hi, my name is Kitty. Um, your talk was just bringing to mind or something. Um, Herbert Benson was one of the first Western medical people to bring science to meditation. And so I happened to read about, about that and went, oh, wow. But one, the thing that caught my attention was um, we all have what's called the orienting response. The, the orienting response. So 
like classic if you're sleeping in your own house and you've heard the same trash truck noise every Wednesday morning forever, like you don't wake up. But if you're someplace new and there's a weird noise at five o'clock in the morning, you wake up and you go, what's that? So the orienting response is the what is it response. And then we have another thing called habituation, which is the thing that lets you sleep on Wednesday morning because you know the trash truck comes. And um, he was reporting uh, you know, on these studies that with Zen monk meditators that they did not have a habituation response, that no matter how many times they experienced something, they could, you know, they put electrodes in their brain and watched what happened or whatever, they would have the same, the same response <coughs> again, and they would not habituate to things. So anyway, that, that was in my mind in relation to everything you were saying, that the whole thing of every moment is, right. every moment's a new moment. And yeah. We can have that with every moment is a new brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, it's lovely because you're pointing at something that's true, but we're so used to our habits that we believe them and we think they're real. And we're, we also live in cultures that like to habituate things because we often all feel safer when it's familiar. We're not so comfortable with the unfamiliar, right, with the unhabitual. And so, and yet, really, there's no moment is actually the same, ever. Just like that's just a done deal. No moment is the same, even though we think it's the same. Oh, this is the same feeling I had yesterday. Kind of, but actually that's not true. And the more intimate we are, the more relaxed and open our consciousness is, you just see, oh, this is brand new. Even though it's familiar in some way, it's not the same. And you can start to see that even what's knowing that is totally brand new. And so it's, it makes, in Eugene's language, for a wild world, because it's all kind of amazing. And, and I think, even though I don't mean to at all um, um, denigrate the difficulties of life, even with the difficulty, there's something amazing here. Right, something quite beautiful. So appreciate what you were pointing at from the scientific view. Yeah, yeah. I was just realizing as I was, as you were talking about that, that that what is it thing? Just normally, I mean, average human, that what is it thing is anxious, <laughs> um, and and so. Right. Meditation is doing it without the anxiety, or it would drive you crazy not to not to habituate to things. So, right. Yeah. So, so you're pointing at something really good. So, oh, the what is it, and the anxiety is meaning in meditation we can be aware of both. Right. When because it happens, you know, for those of us who aren't totally completely enlightened like me. Um, 
It means, oh, things happen, and then we can be aware of the anxiousness that's here. And the awareness is not bound to what it's aware of, which is my great line for 2017, okay? You could quote me, Eugene said this in 2017, right? That the awareness is not bound to what it's aware of. And so there's a part of us that's already free, whether we know it or not. Great, thank you. I, I heard that in probably 2015 and Oh, me, but I've been I, saying it that long? But I, I'm, I'm <laughs> hearing it for the first time. <laughs> but that, that's true. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to tie it into the year and the end of the year, so. <laughs> Please. <clears throat> Uh, maybe it's just me, but it seemed like I heard a little L bit Larry, of Larry, good to say your name. My name is Larry. Thank you. And uh, it sounded like I, maybe just internalize this, uh, but it, it was like a little bit of judgment about the idea that we habituate. And just in, uh, you know, in defense of evolution, I think habituation is a huge part of yes. how our DNA survived. Yeah, no, here. no, great, beautiful. You know, and then to balance that with that, okay, so there's, that helped us get here, and how can we appreciate, since we are here, how can we expand our appreciation without, I don't know, without making it sound like, oh, there's something wrong with us because we do that. Because if we didn't, we'd be just like infants, like completely bombarded <laughs> with stimuli all the time, yeah. and we couldn't build churches and yeah. turn on tape recorders and get Dharma talks. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And say your name. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We're not done yet. Come on, Larry. <laughs> no, no, it's great what you're saying. We, we may be done. I don't know yet. Cause, um, really, no, it's, I appreciate what you're saying because I don't want to denigrate uh, habit, familiarity, really important. It's just we get so identified with it, we forget that there's really more here than just that. And that's where you hear what I think you're calling the denigration, that are being disrespectful of the habituation. And it's because, of course, we're all, it's, it's an important survival tactic for all animals of, of every kind, including us. And so we, we're going to do that. And yet, who and what we are is not limited to that. And that's the piece I want to push a little bit as a Buddhist teacher for this moment, because I'm habituated to being a Buddhist teacher a little bit. So, okay, <laughs> thank you. Hi, Ben. Well, wait, wait, slow down, Ben. I'm just happy you're here. And I'm happy to see you. And, you know, you've been here a lot this year. And you've had a lot of not well-formed thoughts. So let's, let's enjoy it. <laughs> Go ahead. So um, just, I guess I'm just responding a little to what Larry said. Um, I think the mic is off. Yeah, yeah. Like turn it up a little. Or, or, oh, 
You know what I like about you, Ben? You're so sincere, and I mean no joke about that. Really, no, you're very devo devoted to practice even when you have a hard time with it. And I have a lot of respect for that. Sure. So just, um, I, I think it's mostly a response to uh, what Larry brought up. Um, mm -hmm. So habits are complicated because there's the habit at the time that you form the habit <coughs> and then there's what it carries on into. So um, a lot of the time, so I'm thinking of like kids who grow up in hard times. And who they form who throw up? Grow up. Grow up. In, okay. in, in hard times or in a, in a hard environment. Yeah. And they form habits to survive. But um, when the when their environment changes, uh, they can, those habits sometimes stay if they're not questioned um, and do not serve them very well anymore. So right. um, one thing that uh, is very hard to do is to transform those habits, but it's also um, a very important part of life. And uh, you know, any, uh, any tool that you can use to, uh, to help you question those habits, I think is probably a good idea. Right, so, so this is good. So you're, you're having a little debate with Larry, and, but actually I don't hear it as a debate, really. What I hear is you're adding on to what he's saying, that there's also, um, there's the not, not um, disrespecting uh, the habit and the importance of habit and also seeing the importance of changing habit at times. That's all. So that, I don't think that's any problem. And of course, everybody here knows about that because we've all have habits, have had habits that have limited us or uh, not been helpful when we've outgrown their usefulness, which is what you're pointing at, and that that's an important part of the development or maturation for each of us is to use the habit when it's needed, learn from it, and then also at times go beyond it. Yeah, and, and there are a lot of different skillful means that can help for the kind of um, uh, habits you're pointing at, which happened at, in childhood, with difficult childhood was what you said, and the fact that um, we don't want to just be bound to the difficulty that happened 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, which sometimes we are. And that's dukkha in Buddhism, to be bound to that habit from 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It, it doesn't mean we don't understand the of the bigger picture of how that happened and respect that, but also we don't want to just stay there. Good, thank you. Please. Hi, I'm Beth. Um, 
My question, I think, I'm not quite sure of my question, but it has a little bit to do with the quote that you read from Rabbi Herschel. Yeah. Um, and the thing that you said about, um, you know, Nibbana being the absence of yeah. greed, hatred, and delusion. Yeah. And it seems like the way that our culture really celebrates these holy days is through consumerism. I mean, through, you know, and, and um, Right. And it's and some of that, you know, I navigate as skillfully as I can and, and have joy in doing some of that. But you know, I think in what Rabbi Herschel was talking about is the Sabbath. You know, really, especially, um, you know, in his lineage, you know, they don't drive on the Sabbath. It's just so many things that the renunciation that right. happens. Yeah, yeah, they let go of a lot of things. I wonder what, is there some way that I can hold these days holy through some kind of renunciation? I just wonder, or some kind of reflection on no, it's a that. Good, yeah, good question. It, and just remember, I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna put it in a little bigger context, I hope, because the, the um, what you're calling the commercialization is really an ex still an expression of, uh, it's one way to express dana, right? Like the giving of Christmas is a way to express one's love and care and respect and for others. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to do that. And sometimes it gets formalized in some religions and some religious traditions and, you know, and that has its place because human beings like that kind of habituation, right? Or, or that kind of regularity, and that, or those kind of structures are, can be helpful for us. Um, and then other cultures, like in Buddhism, it's not regulated like that. It's like the dana here is you give whatever you want or you don't give anything at all, and really we don't, we don't care, even though we care a little bit sometimes because, you know. It's money, let's be honest, but, 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 um, but you're also, you're raising a really good personal investigation or inquiry about, oh, how do I, where, oh, I, I do have a nice quote um, for you. Um, uh, how do I, how can I let the holiness be here today? and tomorrow and the next, during these holy times, what would it take? And so what would it take for you? Would it mean, you know, maybe like in Buddhism, you could eat one, only two meals a day. Don't eat the third meal. And watch what happens. Because when we think that, it sounds, oh, I'm just gonna be hungry. But if you've ever done it, you see what happens is something gets freed up because you're breaking your pattern. And then something new comes through. Not what we, we're not managing it perfectly. Something's teaching us, right? So that's one way. Or get up and pray every day for the next. You know, we've got a few weeks before the end of the year. Just get up and pray. If you meditate every day, pray before you meditate. See what happens if you do that, right? Or um, here's a beautiful qu quote from uh, Angelus, uh, I don't know how to say the last name, Celestius, 
Does anybody know who that is? Celestius? It's a Christian mystic, I believe. He said, if in your heart you make a manger for his birth, then God will once again become a child upon earth. Right? Now that's a beautiful understanding of what you're asking for. How do we, how do we make a manger for his birth here? Because this is where Jesus will live right now. And that's possible, right? But of course, it doesn't sound quite rational in a, in a scientific way, but in a Buddhist way, it makes total sense to me when I read that, right? Does that, great, thank you. Good to have you here. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's a good place to stop. Oh, I mean, actually, I have some other nice quotes that could be a good place to stop. But that's, that's good. Let's stop there. Let's see. And we're going to stop. We're going to do a little chant. Okay? And you're going to lead the chant, which is the refuges. And these are the Buddha's precepts. And uh, you can, you, not the precepts, they're the refuges. And you can chant or not chant as you wish. But they're part of our, um, what's really true in many celebrations of holiness is a certain united voice. And so the chant in Buddhism is chanting the three refuges to Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, to the awakeness that's sitting in each seat, Buddha, to the Dharma, to the truth of the reality of who and what we are, which is sitting in each seat, and to the Sangha, to the community of awakening that is sitting here. And, and that all of that is bigger than our usual sense of self, our usual idea of who and what we are. There's something more to who and what we are than our conventional or habitual idea of who and what we are. Okay, so this will be call and response, correct? Yes. Great, thank you. Namo tassa. Namo tassa. Bhagavato arhato. Bhagavato arhato. Samma sambudasa. Samma sambudasa.
Just sit for one more minute, offering our appreciation, our good wishes for just being, just to be alive is enough for this moment that we're here together <clears throat> studying the Dharma, that we've had the time and space and place and teachings to discover what is it to be a human being this year, this 2017, and that the blessings of our time together may be for our benefit and the benefit of one another and for the benefit of all beings. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May we all be free from greed, hatred, and delusion. May we discover reality, discover our Buddha nature, discover the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. May all beings wake up. Good to be here with you all this year, or these last 25 years, however long you've been here at SFI. Um, I'll see you, unless I see you on retreat over New Year, which I'll be at New Year's retreat at Spirit Rock. I'll see you January 8th is our next meeting. I'll see you in the new year, 2017, and we'll see what's happening then. Please be well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.